The Dead Pair Podcast is energized by KL Ammo Game Board US. Oh. Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast, coming in hot with everything you want to hear about sporting clays. Guy Fieri. How are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Anthony Matteris Jr., how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Welcome back, David Radulovic. That's a net positive. <laughs> Brad Kidd. Corey Cruz. Thank you for joining us this evening. Now I feel awkward. With your hosts, Jason Rambo. One more Red Bull for you. And Sean Alley. Woo, yeah! Christmas. Let's do it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. It's the Dead Pair Podcast. And now, it's showtime. What's up, Mr. Large and in charge? Oh, I'm still digging that new intro, man. Toby did a hell of a job on that, yeah, he didn't did, he? He did, didn't he? Him and his wife. Yes, him and his wife, and thank you guys for doing that, man. That is just awesome, and uh, being getting a lot of good feedback off of that. Um, so in between playing with all your flyers and banners and stuff, have you gotten to any shooting done or... Not much. Uh, did a, that Airport Ridge tournament most recently is the most most recent thing that I've done. Sorry. Um, but fall's upon us, man. You get up in the morning, it's a little crisper. Starting to get those smells in the air. You can the, the corn and the beans are starting to turn. You know this is unrelatable to anybody south of Kentucky. I know, but hey, <laughs> this is where we're at, so that's what we're talking about. Right. But uh, you know, not too far along, it's going to be cold and snowy and... Uh, stuff so okay so I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there are you sure are you going to nationals i'm yes and no i just need to know because if you're not going i gotta have that t-shirt made <laughs> i'm gonna have a big t i'm gonna have a t-shirt made with big letters on it said that he couldn't make it you'll so. find out soon enough <laughs> okay all right so listen tonight we're talking to mr robert crow from yes. white flyer white flyer everybody Shoots and breaks those targets, and we don't really think a whole lot about it. But, you know, there's a lot behind that company and what they do. Yeah. Everybody, they've got the product that everybody loves to blow up. Yeah. And they're happy to sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't think – well, I know there's not a club, at least that I'm aware of here in Ohio, that doesn't throw white flyer targets at a registered shoot. Yeah. And you go to the nationals, you go to any regional, they're, they're all white flyer targets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, why don't we talk more about them? Because they're just targets? I, I think so. I think we just take it for granted, man. I, mean, I they're think just, we do. They're the orange and the black and the yellow things that fly through the air and the rabbits that bounce on the ground. And it's just like most of the time you like them when they break and, and the other times when you miss, you hate them. Yes. So, or you hate the trap or you hate the trapper or you hate the target setter. I mean, you know, whatever. It's, it's not right. your fault that you missed, right? <laughs> it can't be. No. It's got to be my gun or the glasses or something, right? You got to blame it on something. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But now you can't do that with all the stuff that we use. So no, definitely. All right. Well, listen, um, let's get Mr. Crow on the phone and let's get some details from him on all of it, how they're made, everything, the whole nine yards. Let's talk to him about it. Can't wait. Oh, wait. One more thing, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. The NSCA, as everybody knows, for the national championship has developed the super squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember Anthony was a big part of that. Correct. Um, now the NSCA is going to record it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. With highlights and interviews and everything else, going to put it on their YouTube channel. Well, who are they going to get to do that, Jason? Hold on. I'm okay. not done yet. All right. And then on Sunday, for I guess you could say the final, it's all going to be live. Okay. It's also going to be on our YouTube channel. Nice. And they have asked myself and Justin Barker to host it. Yes. So... You're not allowed to be behind me with rabbit ears over my head and all that stuff. Look, they got to catch me first. Yes. <laughs> that shouldn't be hard. That just knocking you down might be the hard part. Right, exactly. So, but, exactly. Uh, no, anyway, um, this is something cool. And I think the NSCA is making a step in the right direction doing this. Yeah. I think this will be really cool. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Also, be interesting to see you and Justin working side by side. So, I, I asked Justin on the phone here, and I'm like, how. Can we use an excuse as, you know, camera adds 10 pounds, so there was, like, multiple cameras on us? He just started laughing. So. Yeah, uh, that'd be funny. I'll be, I'll be watching the sidelines, man. Hopefully everything goes well. You better be. <laughs> you better be. You might need to replace me at some point. Oh, so. now, come on. You, you got it. You got but this. anyway, so, yeah, everyone, it's going to be up on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can watch it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then, of course, live on Sunday. Um and so, from what I understand, that's the way things are going to work. But uh, 
If you're there at the Nationals, man, I'm sure it's going to be a spectacle. Should be really cool, honestly. If it yeah. goes off well and the way we're thinking, I think it would be really cool. I think so, too. Well, hey, listen, on to our guest. All right, it's our privilege to have Mr. Robert Crow from White Flyer joining us on the podcast this evening. Robert, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, fellas? I bet you're busier in a one-legged bandit in a butt-kicking contest. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a busy time of year for sure. Well, Robert, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and what your official title is with White Flyer. Um, so I live in Chestertown, Maryland, on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, I'm the national sales director for White Flyer. I joined the company um, back in 2013. Uh, before that, I was the director of the National Sporting Clubs Association. Awesome. Well, you guys have got to be really busy right now. I mean, you just got done with the Grand here not too long ago. Um, I think you got World Skeet is just about over, or, or is it going on right now? And then you have the, the Nationals that are quickly coming up on us. So I'm sure you guys are slammed. We are, yep. And uh, the summertime in general is, is very busy nationwide um, with clay target sales. Um, and then coming into dove season, a lot of people are getting to the, the ranges, shooting recreationally. The World Skeet, uh, the Mini World will start next weekend. Um, and then just a few weeks later will be the national championship. And on top of that, there's uh, several regional sporting clays events going on right now. We just had a uh, satellite grand trap shoot out in Kansas and uh, numerous skeet shoots as well. Gotcha. Well, Robert, let's back up a little bit and maybe give our listeners a little bit of information about White Flyer itself. Can you give us a little history, a little background about how White Flyer got started and, and why you guys are doing what you're doing? Absolutely. Um so White Flyer actually was established uh, in uh, 1892, um, and it was in 1979 when Reagent Chemical, which uh, currently owns uh, White Flyer, um, purchased White Flyer from Owen Industries, which would be Winchester. And uh, from that moment forward was kind of... Um, uh, the change with white flyer white flyer wasn't uh, always the the leader in the clay target game but from that point in time they moved a small plant that was uh, being uh, ran in new jersey to our current facility that's in cold township pennsylvania so that was the very first um, white flyer manufacturing plant um, that was owned by reagent chemical that would have been in 79 and then the clay target plant that was run by winchester um, we moved that from east alton illinois to web city missouri and we still operate that plant today as well moving further uh, we wanted to get on the west coast so we opened a plant in san Bernardino, california um, at that point in time uh, reagent purchased a clay target company that was on the west coast called the eclipse targets um, so obviously you can see that we um, expanded rather quickly um, with having a plant in pennsylvania then in the middle of the country there at uh, web city missouri and then on the west coast uh, at san bernardino wow that's impressive in 1981, White Flyer purchased the Eclipse Target plant in California, and uh, we still operate out of that facility. Uh, that would be the San Bernardino plant. Um, and then in 2006, we opened our Knox, Indiana facility, uh, which definitely helped service the northern states. Um, and then furthermore, in 2020, amongst COVID and everything, we opened our uh, latest state-of-the-art facility in Dalton, Georgia. Okay. Okay. So how many different varieties of targets do you have, Robert, like between your pitch and your bios and rabbits and all that kind of stuff? Uh, we offer uh, 36 different products currently. We have our uh, pitch targets, which in pitch for the trap and skeet line, that would be our double A's. We offer eight different colors. We have our uh, pheasant line for sporting clays, which um, some people don't know what the difference between a trap and skeet target and a sporting clays target. Uh, they're both 108 millimeters in diameter, uh, but the pheasant target is approximately five grams heavier. Um, and that's built within the throwing band to withstand the higher speeds that we use uh, in sporting clays sometimes, as well as uh, the different loading, uh, you know, with the Shondell machines. Um, it's just a, a little sturdier target. Right. Um, we also offer um, 
rabbits, battoos, 90 millimeters, 70s, 60s um, in the pitch line, as well as the international targets that USA shooting uh, utilizes for whether it's bunker or international skeet. Uh, and of course, we also offer our crusher target. Uh, that would be the flash target in the 108 uh, trap and skeet, as well as our international. And then we have the blackout line. Um, and in that, we offer uh, three different colors in the trap and skeet version. Um, we call the sporting clays version the blackout sporter. We offer three different colors there, as well as uh, 90 millimeter and the international targets in the blackout. Very cool. Well, is there anything new being developed that maybe you can share with us, or even if you can't? <laughs> Uh, I can tell you that we're always, always working, uh, in the lab, um, reagent purchased white flyer from, uh, Winchester back in 1979. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we've had a research and development department ever since, um, from right at the beginning where we redeveloped the target to add the dimples, which is the double A target today to, um, uh, adding the biodegradable target in the late nineties and the next generation uh, into the blackout target uh, here just a few years ago. So we're constantly working on it. Um, obviously, uh, the world is constantly changing, and uh, we are always looking for that, that next target, whether it's a composition of the target or also um, dimensionally, you okay. know, what type of target it is. Uh, we worked with um, different machine manufacturers, uh, here in the States and abroad uh, with, you know, new products that they may have coming, um, different ideas. Uh, there's been several that haven't worked out that, you know, but you got to try things right. uh, to see what works. Right. Well, I was just getting ready to ask you, Robert. I mean, what drives the development of a new target? Is it, is it simply that you guys are coming up with new things that you think shooters are want? Or are you hearing things from, you know, the throwing companies or, you know, the association saying we need a target that does this or holds up to this or, you know, fits this machine? I mean, what kind of drives the development of new targets at White Flyer? Um, it's going to be mainly uh, the machine manufacturers um, here recently. It's been the machine manufacturers coming up with new ideas to throw targets that has been demanded by the um the different clubs or the target setters. Uh, so I think it starts there and then the machine manufacturers are, uh, you know, getting on board with them to try to develop new ways, whether it's a new way to, to throw a standard target or to design a completely different target. Um, and then they come to the clay target manufacturer. Um, we have also worked with the associations in the past um, early on, we were, we worked with the, uh, Skeet Association to, um, come up with a, a new target for them. It never went anywhere. Um, but the associations also, you know, have, have a voice and, and we make sure that that's heard as well. Gotcha. gotcha. Well, I know how you can make a whole bunch of enemies real quick. All you got to do is develop like a mini or a mini rabbit. <laughs> Jeez. You can have all kind of enemies real quick. So yeah, I don't need that. I have a hard enough time with them. <laughs> so, so Robert, over the last three years, I mean, obviously we had the pandemic, and now things are bonkers with the economy. So, have things increased or decreased as far as like target demands? You know what I mean? Yeah, the demand's down, um, and I think there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, we all know that uh, the ammunition shortage um, has definitely hurt um, the the rising costs, not only of ammunition, but of everything, whether it's the fuel to get to the range, um, hotels, when it comes to uh, uh, tournament shooting. You know, a lot of times you have to stay at a hotel for numerous nights, um, so there's just so many costs that go into it, right. um, that, you know, we're seeing effects there. Um, the big shoots look, you know, their numbers seem to be doing pretty good, especially on the sporting side, but your everyday shooting, um, is down. I, I what we have seen is that the for-profit clubs that are out there seem to be doing fairly well. Um, they've, they always had ammunition for sale. Um, they may not have kept as much ammunition on hand that they are now, but they had 
they had places to buy it from. So they already had those uh, relationships established. And uh, obviously when you're in business to, to make money, you figure out ways to make things work. Right. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, whereas um, the majority of the gun clubs across the country um, are not for profit. Uh, we all know there's tons and tons of very small gun clubs that are out there that may be open one or two nights a week. And those all add up. Um, and some of them have ammo for sale now, but the majority of them don't, whether they don't want to put that money out uh, to, you know, just have it there at the club to be able to sell or uh, they can't find it. Uh, it's still uh, ammo is still scarce out there. So hopefully we can get past that. I know that the manufacturers are, are working hard. They're dealing with the same type of challenges that, that we are, whether it be labor or uh, raw materials, uh, transportation, so on and so forth. So um, hopefully we can see some light at the end of the tunnel sometime in 23. Yeah, I mean, you see diesel fuel at $5 a gallon, you're going to have a lot of those issues, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Now, Robert, have, I mean, speaking of like materials and stuff, I know that from the shot shell manufacturers, we've heard everything from scarcity of primers, scarcity of powder, scarcity of lead and other components. Are there components directly attributed to what you guys do and how you manufacture your targets that have been has been a problem for you guys to get a hold of through this last couple of years? Pretty much every everything you can imagine has been hard really? from one time or another, whether it's uh, corrugated. Um, you know, lead times being way out um, to paint, to pitch. Um, we've had um, strikes at, uh, at a limestone quarry um, that has, you know, reduced the amount of limestone that we've been able to get. Um, you name it. And, and we've been dealing with those same types of challenges that many other businesses have. And then not to mention, of course, uh, the increased shipping cost, trucking your product across the country and, uh, that doesn't help anything with the, the bottom line, right? No, no, it definitely doesn't. Whether it's bringing the raw materials in, um, we bring it in by truck as well as um, by rail. Um, and then, of course, you know, the customer's uh, freight costs leaving our plants going to, uh, to the gun club or to the retailer. Gotcha. Passed on and passed on. So um, it, let's talk about numbers. Uh, you say numbers are down. I think one of the things that me and Jason were kind of interested in, like comparatively speaking, and you don't have to give any numbers here on this, but let's talk about targets you sell to gun clubs and shooting facilities versus, let's say, overall well, retail. Yeah. You know, and all the other uh, big box stores where you find uh, targets like that. I mean, where do you see most of your targets going these days? Um, the vast majority of targets are definitely shot at gun clubs. Um you know, there's over a thousand gun clubs in the United States and that's ranging from one that may have one trap that's open that one day a week for two hours that I was talking about mm -hmm. to, you know, the uh, Sarasota gun club or a Lehigh Valley or, um, LA clays, you know, the very large gun clubs that are open five to seven days a week. So that is where the majority of the clay targets are shot. Uh, but there's a lot of people that go into uh, Walmart or Academy um, or Bass Pro Shops, um, you know, to pick up a box of clays or two to be able to do backyard shooting. So um, the vast majority are definitely shot at, at gun clubs, um, but there's a, uh, a percentage, you know, probably somewhere around the 20 to 30 percent maybe more um obviously we're not the only manufacturer here in the united states that have purchased at a big box store gotcha and then what about like as far as the disciplines go do you can you tell us anything about the numbers of clay targets busted between say sporting versus trap versus skeet versus other disciplines yeah so trap um always has and, and still does make up the vast majority of the clay targets um, shot at the gun clubs. Um, and with the youth organizations as strong as they are right now, um, and that's the largest participation um, with the youth organizations, I think that you'll continue to see that. Um, you know, trap, you only need a, a gun that shoots one shell. Um, it doesn't take up much uh, space to be able to have one trap field. So that's the largest consumer, uh, followed by sporting clays um, and then skeet. Obviously, the entertainment value of sporting clays, um, 
is definitely high, but it costs more too, as most of the people that are going to be listening <laughs> to this right. uh, yep. all, all know <laughs> uh, all too well. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun, you know, and you can hoop and holler and have a good time with your friends, or you can take it, you know, to the next serious level um and uh you know be traveling all around the country but even when you do that and i've done plenty of that um you still have a great time and meet a lot of good people uh, that's how sporting clays is, is doing so well um the other part of sporting clays that is a very good profit center um at the uh, gun club level is the corporate events you know, people definitely would much rather do a corporate event shooting sporting clays than they ever would on track or ski field. Yeah. Not that they don't do them. You know, there's definitely clubs that do it. Um, but sporting clays is, is the most popular corporate event outing or charity event. So let me ask you this. I, you know, as someone that's in trap sales like myself, um, I tell people all the time, you know, going down to your local box store and buying the white flyer blackouts, is not going to hold up to the extremes when you go putting that machine on a shundell or you know full spring or and they just they, they don't understand the difference between a pitch target and a bio target and the difference between a trap and skeet target and a sporting clay target now you alluded to it a little bit in the beginning of our conversation about how the sporting clay targets are you know more denser a little bit heavier to to handle those spring pressures but can you explain the difference between a pitch and a bio Sure. So the pitch target is made with limestone and pitch, which would be either uh, petroleum and or coal tar pitch. Um, that's the traditional target that we've been shooting. Um, well, it was actually uh, introduced in 1888 by Cogswell and Harrison from England. So it's been around for a long time and it's proven. Um, the blackout target is made of limestone and sulfur and um it's uh, definitely a good breaking target um there's a lot of competitions that use it it has a black composition to it so uh whereas the previous biodegradable target had a white composition um and when the paint would wear off on it it would um you know be white out in the field right um and also when you would shoot it you would see the white puffs come off of it so um, everyone should know that you can hit a target, but not break it. It happens with pitch targets. It happens with the blackout target in the previous biodegradable target with the white composition, you would see, see those white puffs when you would hit it with a pellet or two. And, uh, people thought, well, heck I should have broke it. Um, when we introduced the blackout target, um, we changed that composition to a, a black composition with an additive and um it definitely uh, has helped that um you can still hit it with a couple pellets and it not break um but it really now breaks visually like a pitch target um you don't see the white it, it's got a darker composition there to specifically answer your question as far as um the targets and out of their machines our trap and skeet grade targets um whether it's a double way or a blackout standard um, we test those uh, at 50 miles an hour as the max speed, which in trap 44 would be your max speed and in skeet 48 would be your max speed. So those are tested at the factory at 50 miles an hour. Um, the blackout target that is purchased at Walmart or Academy and many other retailers, uh, that would be the same standard trap and skeet target that I'm referring to that's tested at right. 50 miles an hour. Um, now, when you step up to the uh, sporting clays grade targets, that would be our pitch pheasant or our blackout sporter. Um, those are tested at 60, 60 miles an hour. So uh, you can obviously see uh, the difference there, 10 miles an hour. I already mentioned that uh, it's five grams uh, heavier, and uh, it can definitely withstand the higher speeds. Right. Well, let me, okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to you personally, Robert. I mean, you you look at targets, think about targets, talk about targets all day long. Do you still enjoy shooting, or do you ever get to get out and shoot anymore? 
I do. I love it. Yep. Uh, it's great. I'm going to Eminem on Friday uh, for the uh, Delaware River Classic. I grew up uh, right here where I live now, uh, and I worked at uh, Hopkins Game Farm all through high school. Um, there was actually another club called Alexander's uh, that I worked at in middle school. So I've been around it um, ever since a little guy, in, enjoyed it, and uh, have worked at several ranges around the country. Um, like I said, I mean, the Clay Target family is is amazing. And uh, I've got 10 and 11-year-old boys, and uh, we enjoy going out, doing a little bit of shooting, getting ready for waterfowl season, uh, just like thousands of uh, parents do each year. So, you yeah. know, it, it's fun. Well, Robert, I want to go back to uh, talking about the targets because a thought kind of hit me here. With all the targets that are broken, I mean, obviously we see a lot of debris and litter and stuff across the, the shooting uh, – clubs and so on and so forth is there any like i don't know logical way to either reuse or recycle the material after it's broken or does anybody ever kind of thought about that angle yeah uh, we definitely have thought about it and um the biggest factor that you have is when you introduce uh lead um there to it um you have that part of it with the um from the Environmental Protection Agency side of things that you have to be very cautious of because mm-hmm. um, then you would need to clean it uh, prior to reintroducing it back into like our production. So uh, it's definitely something that we uh, have looked at. We continue to look at possibilities that are that are out there because um, if uh, we could recycle some of this material, it definitely would be a positive thing. But currently, there, there is not a way to do that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen clubs that uh, use crushed clays to line their golf cart paths, and we've seen um, you know them build hills and stuff out of crushed clays for, for terrain and feature things. Uh, I think you know, one of the most uh, stark realizations is down there at uh, the Quail Creek where they had the jack links. They got those bio targets everywhere. It seems like it's like a moonscape out there on the ground. <laughs> it's kind of kind of different looking. So I was just curious to, to see what uh, what thoughts or what actions have been going into maybe trying to recycle or uh, reclaim some of that. But that makes total sense with the lead because obviously with that being part of it, that's a, that's a big no-no. So we get it. We get it. Well, Robert, White Flower gives back quite a bit. I mean, I know you guys have a lot of support for clubs and, and for the NSCA and uh, – we're, we're truly grateful about that. Can you talk a little bit about the support that, that they have for the sport itself? Uh, absolutely. Um, obviously, we we sponsor all of the major organizations. Um, we're the official target of USA Shooting um, and the ATA. Um, we have have a long-time uh, working relationship with the NSCA and NSSA, uh, official target of the national championships the world skeet shoot, um, the, uh, the championship tour. So, um, we're there, you know, definitely to support them, but we also are there to support the youth organizations that have really come on strong. We're the official target of the SCTP. Um, we support the U S clay target league, uh, YESS, um, 4H, um, and then also the, uh, collegiate side of things. Uh, with those organizations. So um, pretty much anybody that is uh, supporting us, uh, we do our darndest to be able to support them in one way or another. We can't support every um, SCTP team that's out there or, you know, every college, but we can go to the top that, uh, you know, supports them in one way or another and, you know, try to help from that aspect of things. Right. Well, I think Chad Roberts said it best. It's not too often that you find a company that loves you to blow up their product. So right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get to have a lot of fun blowing up some white flower targets. But, boy, I sure do cuss at them when I miss them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So last year we ran into your wife, Amy, uh, at the Nationals. And for those of you that don't know or didn't catch the interview, she heads up the registration for the NSCA National Championship, correct? She does, yep. Gotcha. I'm sure that keeps her busy. Does she have any hand in what you do, or do you guys kind of keep your own path? Nope, nope. She doesn't uh, do anything on the white flyer side of things. So we keep that separated. That probably keeps peace at the house. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, you know, I drug my wife into – editing these podcasts and and i still get the hairy eyeball every once in a while for that so i don't know how you got her 
drug down there to do registration, but she sure does do a good job of it. So we we appreciate her too. Yeah, I was just talking to her at lunch today, and uh, registration is going very very strong uh, for the nationals. So that's exciting to hear. I believe she said that uh, uh, every event is up, and overall attendance is up to about two hundred shooters. So uh, looks like it's going to be a heck of a nationals. That's wow. awesome, big one. Well, I look forward to running into you down there. Robert, is there anything we're forgetting, anything we're missing, anything you'd like to mention? No. Um, we s- certainly appreciate your support um, and, and offering this podcast. I know that uh, it uh, is something that shooters look forward to listening to uh, when time permits, whether they're traveling down the road or as soon as you release it. Um, you know, So uh, thank you guys for uh, putting this on, and uh, we look forward to continuing to support and uh, we'll see you guys at Nationals. Absolutely. Well, we we pre- thank you for that, Robert. Yes, th- thank you for that, and thank you for your support. We we greatly appreciate you guys, for sure. So, well, hey, listen, Robert, we're going to let you run, get back to the family, and uh, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely get, catch up with you here in the end of October. All right, guys, you all have a good evening. You Thanks, too, sir. Take care. Well, Sean, I knew that uh, Mr. Crow would be a wealth of knowledge, and he sure is. Yep, and they've definitely got a lot going on there, and hats off to the, everybody at White Flyer for what they do and what they support, how they help the sport grow, um, and we're just glad to be a part of them. For sure, absolutely. It's kind of interesting history, man. I've been around for that long. You yeah, know, it is. Over 100 years. And so. the materials they use and stuff, I and mean, that's always just kind of neat to hear about because you don't really think a lot about what's in those clay targets. No, it's just pull, bang. Yeah. Right. Well, then, you hope you then, hope it's that that good. <laughs> well, no, it's pull bang, and then it's you know it's whether or not it's a lot of cuss words. It's either or, woohoo or it's dang it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll go with dang it. Hey, listen, we got a couple segments to get to uh, from both uh, Wooly Shooting and Odo Pro. Um, these are both very interesting. Uh, it was a pleasure doing these, and I hope you guys are going to find some value in them. Don't worry, they're not thirty minute segments. They're <laughs> Only a few minutes apiece, but they're well worth a listen. So yes, indeed. Let's uh, let's get these kind folks on the phone. All right, joining us on the phone, John Matera for this Wooly Shooting segment. John, how you doing this evening? Fine, thank you, sir. How are you? Good. We got Jason sitting in studio with me. Hey, John. Hi, Jason. Tell, tell, how are John, you, Jason? I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your shooting, where you're from, and uh, if you compete, what class you're in. Sure. Well, I, I competed many years ago uh, uh, when uh, Ipsic first kind of started, and uh, and uh, uh, I was a police officer about for about 22 years, and then I went to private security, and I was a bodyguard for a long time, and then got out of that. Uh, I had three of the, probably the greatest farms instructors in the world. Uh, Pat Rogers was a, uh, my best friend and he started me on it and he was probably the best carbine instructor that it was. And then I went out and uh, studied with uh, Ray Chapman and ended up working for him at the Chapman Academy out in Missouri for part time for about five or six years. And then went out to Jeff Cooper's at Gunsight and I worked for, for Jeff. I worked for Gunsight through two different administrations. So I got a lot of, a lot of shooting in, in, in there and they, I spent a lot of time doing firearms training in, in between the police department and uh, private security and government contracting. I spent most of my time, I was a real range rat. I spent most of my time doing training. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you mainly competed in IPSC? I shot IPSC and I shot IDPA when it first came out uh, in the National Tactical Invitational. I think I, I won a match and came in second back in the um, – now this is ancient history. I'm talking <laughs> – I'm talking, I'm talking, I shot, I shot IPSC in the 80s. You know, I went out and I shot the the 15 year reunion out in Missouri uh, with like uh, you know Bill Wilson and Eddie Brown. I was Eddie Brown was a good buddy of mine for, for many years. He was right up the road from from uh, Ray Chapman's place, and we used to go out there and uh, and get trigger jobs done uh, while we waited. You know, that's that's how long ago it was. So <laughs> I haven't 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 really competed in a long time. Looking to start again, just because you know I missed it so much. You know. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a life member in, in uh, USPSA and IDPA, so I just I keep getting the publications, and once a month I go, I got to start doing this again. <laughs> I, started, I, I started I started shooting shooting sporting clays. Uh, uh, that's how I ended up over at, at Woolly Shooting Center, and uh, I met uh, Nick and, and Jonathan, and Jonathan took me out to the range. And I done a lot of shotgun shooting, but I, I didn't do any formal wing shooting 
per se. And, and Jonathan got me out there and uh, they set me up with a nice Beretta. And uh, they, Jonathan got me out there in the range. And uh, after a little while, I started popping a few clays here and there and uh, started really getting into it, you know. And not again, not not on a competitive level because, you know, um, I'm uh, that that ship sailed. I'm more of a handgun shooter. But uh, but just a relaxing way of spending a day. I love it. I truly do. That's awesome, though. I mean, you're shooting across several disciplines. So that's uh, that's kind of cool to hear that side of it. So let me ask you this, John. How did you find Wooly shooting? I mean, were you specifically looking for a shotgun? Or did you go in there oh. for a pistol that he had or a carbine? Or I went. It's a kind of a funny story. It was about a year and a half ago. And uh, a group of friends of mine, they all said, well, we're going to go sporting clay shooting. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. So I'm like looking through my gun safe and, and I've owned a bunch of over and unders here and there. I'm like, I don't have anything really nice. I, I took an old 1921 Parker side by side with me and I went out to the, I went out and we did a foursome on the, on the sporting clay range. Are you and serious? It was, hum- oh. yeah, it was, it was, it was humbling. I have to tell you. And it wasn't, it wasn't the shotgun's fault. It was truly mine. So, so it was a humbling experience. And I said to myself, uh, this is not, not satisfactory. I'm going to have to get better at this. So the next week I went in and uh, I, I met Nick and Jonathan and and uh, set up a, a, a training schedule with, with Jonathan and uh, and I bought a shotgun off them. They gave me the time to run my shotgun, treated me real well. What I love about those guys is, you know, I spent my life in and around gun shops and you know you walk into a gun shop and everybody's an authority. You know, they're all carrying this, you know, the latest in plastic wonder guns and they know, they know everything and they have a T-shirt to prove it. You go in there and these guys are just salt of the earth. They're just two young guys who really know guns. They really try and help you out. There's no pretension. They, they, they know their business and they know shooting so well, they don't have to pretend to be anything else. So right. I, I kind of really, really gravitated towards them. And then, then they have Abby in there who uh, just started uh, a few months back and she's, she keeps them in order and keeps all the paperwork going good. And it's, it's, it's a fantastic place to go and, and, uh, and do business. Gotcha. Well, so the question is, uh, did you wind up taking some lessons from John to try to help you with your uh, sporting clay shooting? I did right away, and that's that's how I ended up uh, uh, going to the facility all the time. I went out there with, with, gotcha. with Jonathan and and, uh, and uh, not not John Woolley. I went out with with Jonathan. Oh, uh, Jonathan. Okay. The, yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, it would have been great to go out with John Woolley, but I tell you. Jonathan taxed me so bad, like uh, you know, that was that was all I really needed. <laughs> so, gotcha. <laughs> so, so, so he got me to the point where I was like, "Wow, you know, I, I I can do this again. You know, this is pretty nice." And and again, like I'm not looking to do that competitively. I'm I'm just, and it, that's you know, if I pick up a handgun or a carbine, you know, I I get that competitive juices flowing. I want to just you know, I, I have to be perfect every time because that's just kind of what I want to do. But that shotgun for me is just kind of fun. It's relaxing. You know, pretty neat. Nice. That's awesome. So do they steer you towards a new shotgun uh, other than your side-by-side? They did. They got me into a nice Beretta over and under, and I, I was very, very, very happy with it. I'm a, I'm a Beretta fan from way back, mm-hmm. you know, you know, handguns, you know, uh, you know, and uh, I've been to Africa a bunch of times. I do a lot of gun writing. I do a lot of writing for different periodicals through the course. Like I've written for the NRA, for SWAT Magazine, for African Hunting Gazette, gotcha. Dangerous Game Hunting, a bunch of other ones. So I, I tend to get to try out a lot of, a lot of, different guns you know uh i, I used to write the a- rifles in africa column for african hunting is that so i got to, to take uh ernest hemingway's double rifle to africa oh and, geez uh, wow. and philip 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 Perce- i i shot a buffalo with philip percival's double rifle and and i, I shot a, a buffalo with elma keith's double rifle i took oh, jack geez. o'connor's rifle to africa wow uh, once and, in a lifetime experience right there <laughs> it, yeah. it, truly, it, truly, it truly is but you know it's funny but i started writing these columns and and everybody who had these really exotic African hunting rifles seemed to like send me emails. Hey, you want to shoot my rifle and write about it? Like, sure, no problem. <laughs> you know, I could do that. Twist my but, arm, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so they put me into a really nice Beretta, and uh, and I was very happy with it. And uh, it kind of like fit me right out of the box, which is is you know usually rifles don't fit me. That I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of this like big guy with like short arms. And, uh, you know, either it's too long or it's too short, but, but this Beretta, they, they fit it up for me and it was really nice right from the get go and, uh, very happy with it. Well, let me, okay. So let me ask you this about your experience with Wooly, um, uh, and please no numbers mentioned, but do you think you got a good value uh, oh, I did. for the farm I did. you bought? I did. Well, I, 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 I just walked in and, and they said, this is the gun you want. And, and it, it, it wasn't, I mean, they have some very expensive guns there. It was, it was a nice, reasonably priced midline 
Beretta. It wasn't wasn't the most reasonable, and it certainly wasn't the most expensive. But I was happy with it. And through the course of things, you know, you you, you it, it had it's the new the new one came out. The okay, one yeah, balanced. that's six ninety four. Yeah, it must be yeah, six ninety four. Oh, I tell you, I, I like I like it the heck out of it. And then you know, you kick it around, and you're looking. At, I'm doing some research on the gun after I bought it, which is kind of like what I do because I'm kind of a spontaneous purchaser. And uh, and I said, oh, these guys treated me right. I mean, they they really did the right thing. I mean, you you know, you, you search online prices and and they were right in line. You know, you know, fifty dollars or a hundred dollars either way. And I'm like, wow, they they did the right. And they didn't even know me at that point. You know, I was like, that day. It was just you know, it was just a guy walked in the door and they treated me treated me very fairly. Well, and that's always very, very refreshing as a as a consumer because yeah, you walk in, you don't know if you're going to get a good deal or not. But that's awesome yeah. to hear that they treated you right. Yeah. Well, again, you go you go in there and there's there's no there's no no pretentious attitudes that they just they know this stuff they know they know this stuff and they don't have to prove to you that they know this stuff they just they just know it you know so it's kind of it's very refreshing to meet a couple of young people who really have that uh acumen and and that that persona about them I, I find it very refreshing good deal good deal well john thank you so much for taking the time to give us your opinion of woolly shooting i'm glad you had a great experience and it's always great for our listeners to be able to hear other people that had good experiences so that they can maybe go to them and and have the same type of uh, interaction with them so um we wish you guys the very best this year i mean i'm glad that you're getting into sporting clays and hopefully you're having a lot of fun with that so uh with whatever you're doing the rest of the year you have fun and uh and go out there and bust some birds with that new gun gentlemen thank you so much for the time It it was my pleasure really enjoyed it all right, on the phone with us is Haley, and most of you will recognize her from Instagram, Haley Sat Shoots. What's up, Haley? Hey, how's it going? Doing great, Haley. Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. No problem. Last time, I think we bumped into each other at the Nationals last uh, fall. Is the last time I saw you. Uh, everything been treating you all right? No, we shot with her at the night shoot. Oh, all. that's right. Yeah, the night shoot. Yeah, heck yeah. Christmas. I was going to say, yeah, I could have sworn you guys were there. Y'all did the Dead Pair podcast prelim. No, yes. no, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. All right. So anyways. You got part of that sentence, right? You just weren't thinking. Yeah, I got too much <laughs> on my mind. Trust me. Trust me. Well, anyways, how's life been treating you since then? It's been really good. I've actually gotten a chance to shoot a lot more than I was ever thinking I would. I've hit two regionals, um, the U.S. Open and um, the World English Nice. That's a that's a heck of a list of accomplishments there. Definitely been doing some traveling. Um, all right, so we're talking about Odo Pro. Uh, what made you decide to go with the Odo Pros, and what models do you have? Oh, my gosh. So Grace is really the reason why I decided to go with Odo Pro because she's, she's an audiologist. I already have kind of, like, trouble with my hearing. Um, I, I don't know. It's just because I talk really loud all the time or, you know, what, but – it's um it, it was kind of a problem and when i met her at the nationals i believe it was last year the year before um she's an audiologist and she just had all these answers for me on why my hearing wasn't right and you know how we could you know work to fix that to where i'm not like screaming at people with my earplugs in um and so i went ahead and got the original filtered earplugs that she's got for sporting clay shooting. Mm-hmm. And just recently I got the Bluetooth phantoms, oh, which yeah. are unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're nice. <laughs> they're nice. Yeah. They're incredibly amazing. That's the ones that Sean and I have. And I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think point, I can shoot without them anymore. To well, be honest with you. my, what I was getting ready to say is I don't want to take them out half the time. Right. And it's like, I'm getting ready to go home. It's like, well, I mean, I hear so good with these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. exactly. Well, tell some of our listeners, uh, I mean, there's a whole process in this thing. So obviously you talked to Grace, you talked to her about what you wanted. What were some of the next steps that had to happen for you to get your ears? So um, I was really lucky because she happened to be at the Nationals that time. Um, you basically just have to get your ear molds. So she goes and sticks this little bitty foam thing, like all the way down in your ear, kind of uncomfortable, but you know, it's for your hearing production. And then she does her little molding and stuff like that. They take it out, um, and they just put it in a box, put your name on it, get all your info, and then they have it sent off. And actually I talked to her this past week, I think it was at the South Central Regional, and they're doing a lot of their own manufacturing now. So they may not have to send off the molds all the time. They may be able to just do them in-house. Oh, nice. But, yeah, I had no idea that they were stepping up to do that because that is a lot of work. I but 
I'm telling you, it was so fast. They came in, um, came back in the mail. Um, I believe it was like three to four weeks after that. And I mean, it, it was awesome. Like I, I got them really quickly and I didn't have any problems, but they digitally scan all of the molds. So they have them at all times and they keep them on file. So there's no like, you know, keeping a weird mold of your ears. So they digitally scan them in, they keep them. And then that way, if you want to order something else, you just pick up the phone and give them a call and they'll ship it out to you. Right. So, okay. The three of us know that these phantoms do some really cool stuff. Um, Yeah. If you had to pick one feature that would be your favorite, what would you say that is? Music. Hands down. Being able to play music while you're shooting? Yes. And it's weird (laughs) because you can, I don't know, I like to have music on like when I'm practicing and I mean, I practice alone a lot. So to have music, like just to kind of keep me going is really fun. And then when I'm shooting competitions, I like to have music on and at least one of the ears, you can adjust them independently. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, completely out of it. I can have music in one ear and have the regular mute, or I can have it like the mic turned up just a little bit so I can hear the trapper, what they're calling and stuff like that. Right. Well, I learned <laughs> I learned the hard way. So first of all, I, I do the same thing. I, I play music only in one ear and I turn it way down. And I learned the hard way. You don't go with Braxton Oliver's taste of music while you're shooting. You know, like oh, if you gosh. feel like running over little puppies from station to station, that's probably not the right choice of music. Oh, <laughs> it, no. It gets the blood <laughs> pumping and, oh, yeah, it creates all kinds of problems. But no, just something with a good rhythm, good beat, I found helps but yeah that's just my weird brain well shoot with as good as braxton shoots i might need to to get his playlist uh he does <laughs> shoot good but that oh boy i don't get me wrong i love me some heavy metal but that stuff was oof <laughs> but anyway that's a whole nother subject <clears throat> well yeah i guess everybody each their own to each their own that's yes, what i'm gonna say for sure well Haley, so if you have uh if you had somebody coming up to you asking you about these auto pros um what uh what would you tell them? I mean, what, what would you tell them to convince that it's a good purchase, a good investment? Um, so there's a lot of things you can say about them. Um, and I know that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of choices when you go to get earplugs. Um, a lot of people can become certified to do the molds and stuff like that and then send them off. The biggest thing would be Grace herself. You know, you don't have a salesperson talking to you about these things. You have a licensed certified audiologist. So she's developed all these other different types of earplugs for different types of things like concerts or, you know, I know some girls that go to spin class and they can't like listen to all that crazy music because it's like stupid loud in there. And she has a special one for those. She has a special one for um, like doctors who use weird drills and it's like a high pitched sound and she's like really gotten that down. So it's just the difference between dealing with like a doctor and dealing with the doctor's salesperson or their administrative assistant, you know? So it's, and she's there, she's always available between her and Jen. I mean, you, you can get an answer from them extremely quickly too. And it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And the only thing I was going to add to that is the difference between Dr. Grace and all the other audiologists is you'll see Dr. Grace at shoots. And she goes to not just sporting clay shoots, but hunts and trap shoots and skeet shoots. I mean, she travels all over. She's constantly at a shoot somewhere. Yes. Um, and so actually, she's involved, I think she just you know? did a podcast with a meat eater, meat eater. too. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. I mean, how huge is that? So she's working with hunters and, you know, all different types of shooters. I get it. I get it, Haley. We're not as big as meat eater. You didn't have to, like, you know, throw the jab. We get it. I'm just oh my god! No, I'm so <laughs> proud of her. That's so no, I awesome. am too. That is awesome. They are the top dog for anything outdoors podcast. Yeah, but they don't know too much about uh about sporting clays. Wink, wink. Ah, there you go. There you go. See, that was <laughs> that was a roundabout way of coming back and giving us a hug, Sean. So. Yeah, the ego <laughs> is bruised, is. and now there's, she, there's the phone hug. Yeah, I was gonna say ego is bruised, and now we got a hug. So oh, now we're right. good. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Well, Haley, thank you very much for spending a few minutes with us. I know we're going to catch up sooner to shoot, and um, I know Dr. Grace is going to love hearing everything you had to say, and she's really going to appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Haley. Have a good night. Thanks. Y'all too. All right. Bye-bye.
Well, Jason, what do you think about those segments? Dude, they're always interesting to me. I, I think so. I mean, it's just really nice hearing everyday people talk about the products that we know and love and that we use. Yeah, um, it makes it more grounded, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think our listeners appreciate that as well. Hopefully you guys do out there. Uh, but, well, Jason, what's next on your, your list? I know nationals are the big thing coming up. We've still got the, the Pilgrim Night Shoot uh, to look forward to in November. Anything else on your yeah, the, schedule for the end of the year? Yeah, we have the AFS State Shoot here at uh, Eagle's Nest. Yes, that's right. Going to be going to that um, AFS State Championship. That's pretty cool, too. Uh, I'm glad they came out with that. It's a good event. It's definitely a good event. Um, and then... By the time everybody hears this, I will already be on my way back from Georgia for the AFS Invitational. Yep. Um, I did qualify for AA, so go down there and see what I can do. I'll be pulling for you, buddy. Hopefully you do well. Well, you you ought to be there with pom-poms and... Well, let's not go, <laughs> let's not go too crazy with that. <laughs> Ooh, there's there's an image you need bleach to get out of your eyes. Right. So. Yeah, I'll be there in spirit, man. I'll be rooting you on. I, I hear you. I'll be rooting well, you I'll on. I'll tell Wendell that you just didn't want to come down and have lunch with him. <laughs> Yeah, you tell him that. He'll believe that like, yeah, right. So but. Sean doesn't pass up too many free lunches. <laughs> well, all right. Anything else? What are we forgetting? I think we've wrapped most of it up. Uh, this has been a pretty interesting episode. Uh, got a lot of stuff coming in the works, guys. Uh, keep a, keep a t- an eye on our YouTube channel. Hopefully some new videos will be popping out real soon. Also, um, well, we're, we got a couple nice guests coming up here that we're not going to yes, we let the cat out of the bag. Plus, out. we have the path. Yes, the path is coming. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for uh, the path. Let's not build that up too much. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's going to be cool, man. It's it's something that uh, me and you have talked about for quite some time, and I think it's going to be interesting to something listen to. Something we've worked on for quite some time. Yes, too, yes, so. definitely. definitely. We put a lot into it, and hopefully you guys get a lot out of it. You know, that's our that's our main objective. That's why we're so. here. That's why we're here. But hey, speaking of while we're here, what do we tell everybody every week? Man, Take people out. Get them out there to the club. Put a gun in their hand. Show them what this sport's about. Take them to a charity shoot. Take them to a tournament. Uh, just introduce people to what we do and why we love it so much. And show them how much fun it is to blow up those white fire targets. Heck yes. Heck yes. But hey, listen, Sean, until next week. We can't wait to see you all back here on the Dead Pair Podcast. We'll see you next time on the Dead Pair Podcast. The Dead Pair the Dead Pair Podcast is energized by KLMO Game Boy US. The Dead Pair theme song was written, arranged, and produced by Toby Tomplay. Special thanks to the following sponsors. Bear Pelt, Negrini, Rhino, Odopro, Don Grant, Atlas Trap Company, RE Ranger, Wooly Shooting, Folded Wing Apparel Company, and White Flyer Targets. 